The Youthscape Podcast. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. My name's Rachel Gardner. I'm Martin Saunders. Good evening, if it's the evening for you. Yes, absolutely. Anytime during the day. There is some serious heat being let off in this place where we're recording. Rachel. There's an ancient radiator <laughs> underneath the table where our little mic is placed. And for the first time ever in two years, it's actually producing heat. Yes. It, we've some, somehow turned it on and now can't turn it off. <laughs> it's amazing. So, it's getting hot in here. Anyway. How Rachel, are you Rachel, doing? Are you Rachel, right? yeah, that's fine. Yeah, can we just fine. because yeah. because let's just get this out of the way now. This could be the first time you you have um, you've been a lot for a long time in your ministry and work. Yeah. You focused on a certain area, yeah, haven't you? A cer- when I say a certain area, I don't mean physically, yeah. although I suppose I do. Yeah. Um, but uh, you you have uh, you kind of specialised in relationships. And, and sex. And so what happens is whenever I'm with you in a sort of speaking opportunity or on a podcast or at a bus stop, within about five minutes, you, you, you drop some sort of it is bad. clanger. <laughs> it's bad. You can't help or, yourself. Or I'm quite innocent and you read into it, all kinds of stuff. You started singing, I know, it wasn't it's getting hot in It here. was not appropriate. Talking about not appropriate, I have started being a little bit of that kind of party pooper mum or youth worker, however you want to put it, where if I'm out with young people, like bowling or something, and there's like really good church songs, I go and have a chat with the manager. <laughs> I'm like, can we, can we change this, please? Can I, can I give you this Bethel CD? Can we play this instead? So wow. I'm a little bit of a contradiction, aren't because I, really? Were well, you always like that, though? I think I was. And the great irony is that I dated a few a few guys before I married Jason, but I'm no expert on relationships at all. So it's funny, isn't it? In youth work, we often talk about the stuff that we're like, gosh, I was a real mess in this area. No. I mean, there is a... To go very serious suddenly. Yeah. And to move it away well, like from... The podcast today is about relationships. To move it away from sex and relationships. Oh, okay. oh just, sorry. Okay. Just for a moment. Okay. Um, I, I find it interesting how sometimes in church... In the church world, because of the way the parachurch works, mm. we find ourselves sometimes being asked to speak as experts mm. on, on subjects about which we're not no. experts. No. Now, you actually have become... A pretty a, a bit of a, a, a relationships and sex education expert. You've done the reading. You've done the kind of. Mm. You've been to the the stuff at the House of Commons, mm. and you know you've you've done all that over the years. I think some no one would say that you didn't know your stuff in terms of sex and relationships. But I think about some of the stuff that I've stood up at conferences and had to give a seminar Quick on. Google. Oh my goodness! I literally googled it beforehand. <laughs> You know, so um, oh, so, I'm a magpie. My husband says, "Wait, you're a bit of a magpie. <laughs> you kind of collect all these ideas and kind of shine them, and then talk about them." I think, but I, I do think I'm increasingly saying a lot more. I don't think any of us are experts. We're just adventurers. And I, in this last couple of years, I think particularly around the topics of of sexual ethics and sexuality and relationships. Not that particularly I've I've changed gear or or thinking stuff radically differently, but I'm just so conscious that. Actually, for young people, it's rapidly changing, and the yeah. language they use, and the experience they have, and what they're going through, and just how they approach the topic. So I sometimes approach this topic and say, "This really matters." On the other hand, it really doesn't, but it does, but it doesn't. And I think maybe that's quite helpful and quite healthy for us as youth workers to kind mm. of tread both really carefully that relationships and sex and, de- and helping young people develop a sexual ethic is really important but there's also other big stuff that God's doing in their life yeah. as well and yeah. I think for those of us that are particularly zoned in on one area we mustn't forget that young people are way more than, than just this one topic yeah. that we want to talk about and if you you know heard me on a stage having spoken after googling it's just <laughs> it's just a reminder never to sort of idolize oh, the gosh, person no. on on the platform yeah, isn't absolutely. it i don't think anyone has ever idolized me on no, a platform no. but um no. but, gosh. but actually with all of us like yeah. we do we do sometimes find ourselves looking at the person mm. on the on the platform thinking a they're an expert b mm. they live without sin mm. uh, you know they're completely sorted in their relationship with god how could i ever be like this person yeah. And actually, quite often, because of the way Christian conferences and events yes. work, you know, yeah. it could be someone who's just been given a subject to speak yes, on. Yes, so, um, yeah. so it's a good job the National Youth Ministry Weekend sold out, isn't it? <laughs> We're not doing a very good job <laughs> of selling them. <laughs> good heavens. We find people that are really good at Googling topics. We don't do that. <laughs> but it is interesting. So last night, at, um, I was at our church's youth gathering in the evening, which is lovely because lots of young people come from different churches and we sort of do it all together. It's really, it's a really good, really healthy model. 
But even last night, a, a girl wanted to pray with me because I'd preached like four weeks before and I'd name dropped a few of my classic clanger topics like porn and masturbation and sex. As a kind of like, remember guys, we can chat about this, we can talk about this, Jesus cares about this. And she'd waited four weeks and, and, and then was ready to have a conversation about it. So I think that we do need to be, actually that's, I don't know why I started saying that conversation, it's nothing to do with what you were saying, but it does matter, I think, as usual, because <laughs> that we keep this space open to talk about. Yeah. Even if we feel, I don't really know always what our young people are going through and what they need, but when they need it, yeah. if they know you're a safe person who's got some wisdom to share, if they trust you, if they trust yeah. you're authentic in your own spirituality and discipleship, and when they want to, they'll come and seek you out. They'll come and find you. Now, we're sort of orbiting around some of this yes. stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as a segue into our interview today. Yes, it's great. Um, but it's interesting, I think, to reflect on how sexual ethics mm. and youth ministry, uh, the, the kind of the relationship has changed mm. a little bit over the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. I think if you caricature where we were 20 years ago, 25 years ago now, when I was mm. in youth group, uh, it was it was very much still the sort of the rules. Um, how far can I go? Well, don't go this far. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't do these things. These things are bad for and you. And a one-off talk as well, probably. You'd have a one-off talk yeah. and it would cover all of it and you'd go away absolutely sure that if, if you did any of these things, God would be angry. And, and then over the last sort of 25 years, we've had a whole bunch of things happen. The conversation around sexuality and gender has blown up mm. uh, big in, in a very healthy and helpful way, but also... Uh, in a way that has maybe left some of those questions mm-hmm. in the shade. So we maybe talked yes, so much, yes, talked sure. so much about sexuality yeah. and gender that we haven't con- been as consistent in talking about healthy relationships. Mm. Um, and I think we find ourselves in a slightly different place in most youth groups now. I don't know whether we have sex talks anymore, mm. or whether we rely on uh, on them to get it at a Christian mm. conference. Well, I presume no one has just Googled it beforehand. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, or, or whether we're just, whether we're scared to talk about it. I don't know whether we, um, actually, we've all become a bit more liberal on it mm, all. And mm. I think, oh, this stuff doesn't matter after all. Mm. Um, but certainly I think whatever, what, what is true is that the picture looks very different now. Yeah. And you don't tend to walk into your average Christian youth group and get the conservative line on sexual ethics mm. from 1993 mm. that I got. And there's some good in that because mm. I know for me personally that was quite damaging, some of that mm. stuff. But I think there may be some, some bad in there as well that we're, we're pulling our punches and we're yeah. not talking about the seriousness of some of this stuff. And also, for, all the, for those of us that have been around in youth work for a while, we can look back and harp back to either what we think was a glory time or was actually a bad old days and we're glad we removed from it. But it's one of those topics that we can't go back in time 200 years and go, well, how is the church engaging younger generations in this topic? Yeah. And we can't like land ourselves back in first century Palestine and the church trying to work stuff out because we, we have Paul's letters and we, we, we do that great reading around what Dr. Paula Gooder and Tom Wright help us understand the context because Paul is always answering questions. He's never just sitting thinking, what would the curriculum look like? He's simply responding to what's divisive. And so it's very difficult, I think, for us as youth workers and practitioners to kind of know what to do with the current kind of conversation around sexuality. What, what is it that we're supposed to do about this? Yeah. Is it, and I think for so many youth workers, what I feel really encouraged by is that we want to be full of grace, we want to be life-bringing, and we want to point young people to Jesus. And mm. we're so conscious that when it comes to anything to do with sex, body, sexuality, gender... It, it can so quickly become this wedge that gets between the young person and how they perceive God feels about them. Yeah. So I think what I see that's really positive is that we're really, we lead now with, you are loved, you already belong, you're already in, like, you're already free. We lead with those things now, which which probably you and I never received no. as teenagers. That's right. No, I didn't, didn't but start with But then we don't know what to do next because we also fully believe that boundaries are for our safety and our success. So what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Rachel. Yeah. Because uh, on uh, in just a few days' time, as we as we uh, as, as you're listening, to, if you're yeah. listening to this Live. when it was released, mm. yes. then we're a few days from the second annual Youthscape oh. St. Melitus lecture, oh. uh, which is uh, yourself, yes, and Sean Doherty, yes. uh, Doctor Sean Doherty, Reverend Doctor Sean Doherty, yeah. Reverend Professor Doctor Archbishop Patron Sean Doherty, President. Uh, Archangel Sean Doherty. <laughs> I 
love that. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll be talking about this yeah. um, and, and talking, and, and it's got a very kind of uh, playful, provocative mm. title for a lecture, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, which is Marooned on Love Island. Mm. Um, Me and Sean. Marooned on Love Island. That is a that is a thought. I think we'd have fun. I think we'd just sit and chat. I'd and... stop. Okay, anyway, sorry. So, uh, I didn't get much sleep last night. So anyway, uh, we chatted yes, to, we did. He's to brilliant. Sean, He's who brilliant. was brilliant. Let me tell you something, by the way, very excitingly about this. This was almost the lost Yeetscape yeah, podcast. It was almost lost on, it was almost marooned on an island by itself in the ether, wasn't it? Good link. Well done. You're back. I'm back. So, uh, so we thought we'd lost it. And then yeah. producer Rachel uh, somehow funny. found... A sort of obscure file on her computer somewhere and said, Oh, what's this? We'd all mourned for it. We knew it was gone. And then she found it uh, as called something, you know, some string of numbers and letters. And there it was, Sean Doherty. And I, I think it, it is now a gift to you, back yes. from the dead, the resurrection uh, incarnate or something. So, uh, so here is our, our chat with uh, Archangel Sean Doherty. The Youthscape Podcast. Well, I'm absolutely delighted that today our podcast guest is Sean Doherty. And Sean, you are the lecturer in ethics and director of studies at St. Melitus. Thank That's you so right. much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. And I think you give, you've sort of run into your office for a mad sort of 20 minutes because you have such a busy day, don't you, today? It's a little bit crazy at the moment, yeah. <laughs> and as we are recording this... Um, we're very excited that we've just discovered that you have become principal of Trinity College Bristol. That's huge for you and Gabby. How, how are you feeling about that? Maybe? Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah, we're really excited about it. We um, weren't expecting to be to be doing something like that. It's um, We're going to be moving in uh, June to start there. Uh, it's a really exciting college. Lots of good things happening there. We're going to miss St. Melitus and miss London. Um, but we really know this is what God's calling us to. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Oh, that's absolutely tremendous. And we wish you all the best. That is, that is absolutely fantastic. And I have quite a few friends that actually have been through. I, I've got a friend who's there at the moment. Who, oh, I, great. I, but I didn't really want the family to leave and, and go and train for ordination. So anyway, oh, okay. I fail so her. have quite mixed feelings about it. <laughs> could you ex- expel her and send her home? Could you, could you do that? Because I quite liked like, her. She, she would do something quite naughty. Uh, so hopefully that won't be necessary. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, how naughty do you have to be to get expelled? You know, uh, it's probably it's probably best not to go into details. Yeah, no, there's <laughs> there, my Bible college has some hilarious rumors, which we we'll we might come on to because it's a topic. Yeah. We're talking about. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure your friend is very well behaved. If she's your friend, Martin. Oh, well done, Sean. Oh, very well behaved. Well done. Well done. Back. Now, Sean, yeah, it's that kind of diplomacy that I'll need. <laughs> That's why you've got the job. Love it. Um, now, actually, some folks might have come across you um, leading uh, seminars at, at Soulspire. You've done that a few years. And yes, that's right. Yeah, Soulspire and New Wine, those kinds of places. Love to hang out there and speak about uh, sexuality, ethical issues. Those are the kinds of uh, topics that tend to come up. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and just from listening to you and, and knowing a bit about you, I mean, training and equipping Christians for life and God's service, I mean, that is really core to what you're about. And so for you, actually, conversations about sexual ethics, how we engage with what's happening in culture and just what it means for us to be sexual beings, that for you is not a separate issue, is it? It's part and parcel of raising up a generation to know who they are in Christ and to lead in the way God's called Absolutely. them to Absolutely. I think that so many people in the church feel um, under pressure, well, some people feel under pressure to sort of conform to maybe what they see as quite a re- sexual ethic in the church and that can create a lot of shame for people so um talking really honestly and openly about that and kind of giving people the chance to explore things for themselves i think that is really important but on the other hand at the same time um kind of our culture has gone has traveled so far from the kind of christian understanding of sex and you know the the who we are physically and those kinds of things that 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 creates its own pressures as well so there's the kind of pressure to conform in the church and a pressure to conform 
and in the outside world that so yeah a lot of people end up feeling kind of just quite torn or quite stressed by those by those things and in particular if we never talk about it or if we treat it as like oh it's sex so it's like a bit icky or kind of shameful then we're not really equipping people to both live but also to communicate to people like sex is a massive subject in conversation in ordinary people's lives and so actually if christians are really equipped to talk about it in a way that is kind of healthy and engaged, then actually it's not just a matter of how you live your life. It's also a massive mission opportunity, I think. Mm. Sure, Sean, I don't know what your observation would be of this, but I think from, from my perspective, having been in, in youth ministry for the last mm. 20 years and, and Rachel slightly longer, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the, the sort of the attitude in the Christian youth group circa 1995 might be quite different to the general mm. attitude mm. towards sex and relationships circa 2019. Uh, do, do you see that shift and what do you think is behind it? Yeah, I think there's a massive shift. And actually, I don't think, maybe controversially, I don't think that's all a bad thing. So I think there is a, um, one of the big changes in our culture is a reaction against where the church has been, um, rightly or wrongly, perceived, well, I think partly rightly, perceived as being very anti-sex, anti the goodness of the body, um, anti kind of feelings. And so that's kind of created a kind of counter reaction so that many kind of people in our wider world just think kind of, uh, but this is a good thing and this is part of who I am. Um, m- most young people in our churches, I think, are just like, that's where they're at. That's the culture that they are that they are part of. And so um, part of our job is equipping them to think through, okay, what are the ways in which this is a good thing from the point of view of my faith? Uh, you know, to accept myself, to sort of be who I am in my body, to have a sort of positive relationship with my body rather than thinking that this is something negative that I should be um, kind of... Um, uh, almost disassociating myself from um but at the same time thinking yeah but that doesn't mean that everything in my culture is going to be that everything the culture offers me is going to be good for me so being discerning as as well yeah and i I suppose you're sort of considering sexual ethics in the sense of how do we handle scripture how what do we understand i'm so glad you said scripture when after said handle there i was just like (laughs) not i was like the the possibilities for like you know, slightly risque jokes in this area are quite high. So, oh, you know. yeah. let's do some outtakes later. But, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I, I suppose the question I want to bring to you, because I wrestle with this all the time, is all of, all of us approach this with our own sexual script, our own set of assumptions, mm. some of which are shaped by scripture, some or our interpretation, some of which are shaped by our family, our church denomination, our experiences. And, and so it can be quite difficult for us as leaders and youth workers to kind of almost understand what our own sexual ethic is. It's almost like we're in a culture that says sexual ethics means where you stand on a few key issues. And so mm-hmm. we can sort of define ourselves around those. And sometimes we get, as you say, actually ha- having a positive understanding of the body and being sexual beings. And that's a beautiful thing. So just what are some of your kind of pointers for how do we as leaders how do we approach understanding our own sexual ethics? What's some of the work that we need to do to help us understand really what's going on for us and, and how much of it is culture experience, how much of it is shaped by um, our discipleship? Yeah. Well, I think it, I think it is vital to really to actually to do the work and to think about it. So, uh, you know, it is going to it is going to come up. It is going to be something people will want to talk about in in our um, churches and, and youth groups and, and so on. Um, and yeah, so 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 really taking the time kind of to read the culture, to think about, OK, so where are people around me? Um, uh, and to, and then I think the other healthy thing is to kind of go for what is the big picture um, kind of vision that the Bible gives for this? What's the kind of the storyline when it comes to our bodies? Why did God, why did, you know, like, mm. I don't know, you know, this is maybe a bit too, um, you know, cheeky for a podcast, but like if, you're, if your listeners kind of are in the shower tomorrow morning or in the bath and you, and you look down mm. at your body, yeah. you think, what what hang on, why 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 did you make me that way god yeah, like yeah. why have you given us this shape and this yeah you know, and why are we different to one another in our shapes and and so on like yeah. seeing that as this is not something that's accidental or just like it's just convenient way of making babies or yeah 
or it's just evolutionary or something. But actually, this is something that God has intended and, it, and that God sees as something very, very good. Like, what are the reasons for that? I mean, that's perhaps one of the things you might get into in the lecture is that, that God had very good reasons for making us sexual beings and it's part of his plan. Um, and then you, then you start from that very positive place um, now, I, th I think you still have to get on to, um, at, at, you know, at different points talking about because we believe all the positive things that God has done in making us sexual beings. There are things that we think we shouldn't do or that are harmful and, 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 and um, not honoring to God's sort of created purposes. But they, even when you get onto that, it's because you've started from a place of what are the positive, wonderful things that God has done in doing, in making us sexual, rather than like starting from a place of this whole area is a, a bad place. And so we must sort of avoid it altogether, as, as it were. So like, uh, yeah, I think that's the one big thing I'd say, the, the biggest thing I would say would be, um, educate yourself and educate yourself particularly around what is the sort of the, the big biblical vision for sexuality, for human relationships and, and, yes. and intimacy and so on. Um, Sean, you mentioned there the, uh, the lecture. So we should just uh, explain what that is. And uh, so, so you are the, the keynote speaker, I think. Yeah. I, I've just downgraded you there, Rachel. No, no, I'm, I'm happy. Are, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very glad that Rachel is going to be a keynote speaker alongside with me. Oh, you are a real <laughs> diplomat. Should we just hold hands and shake in front of the <laughs> Don't hold hands. That will give a whole different oh. uh, light over the whole lecture. So um, so you're you're one of the speakers at the second uh, annual Youthscape Titus mm. uh, lecture, uh, which will be happening uh, in London on the 25th of March. And, That's right. Uh, and so do you want to just give us a, without, you know, giving the whole game away, um, do you want to give us just a little snapshot of what you might be looking at in your presentation? Yeah, I think I think there's two particular sort of angles that that this might this might go really. The the, the first thing is this kind of what's the big story here? What's the kind of the vision for sex and relationships um, that we might start start out from, um, so that when we then come to some of the kind of very um, seemingly challenging or like, very, especially maybe if you're from a slightly older generation and you're thinking, I want to understand this generation and, and what they're facing when it comes to sex and relationships. What is the kind of the big biblical narrative that we bring to that, this positive vision, this picture? And then the other thing is, I guess, kind of like, what are the, um, what are the tips that I've kind of picked up? I've got a sort of summary of tips of kind of how can we talk about this well what are the kind of the what's the framework that we need to sort of say that we're not going to ignore this we're not going to brush this under the carpet we're actually going to talk about it we're, but we're going to talk about it well so I've got a sort of a few like little, little suggestions about how you can do that without on the one hand kind of being um, kind of super judgmental and down on people on the other hand not just being completely like anything goes who cares anymore you know it's, I, I think you can do uh, you, I think you can have your cake and eat it, as it were, uh, to change the metaphor from sex to food, which is, you know, another favourite topic. I mean, in youth ministry, cake and sex are often... <laughs> yeah, bring it on. Okay, will we have cake at the lecture? I don't yes, know. We, we will. will. We'll definitely have cake. Bring some. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you say that, because I, obviously, I'm doing one of the lectures on the, on the day, and... And I've been sort of mass watching Love Island and sex education. And I've been on YouTube. Amazing. That must have been like, fun for you. Yeah, Cardi B and her twerking video. And, and, <laughs> and part of me thinks on one level, I need to watch all of this. I need to process it. I need to understand. I need to mine it and find out where it comes from. Yeah. The other half of me is like, I don't. I don't. It's so extreme. Okay. It's so ludicrous. It's so as removed from a young person's life as it is from mine. Sure. I don't yeah, okay. And I suppose, and, and actually probably in the middle is some kind of healthy balance, which is we listen to God's word and we listen to God's world. But I suppose the question I want to ask you, Sean, because you can help me write my talk, basically, is um, I, I increasingly am feeling concerned about the purity movement that equates salvation with virginity status and all the kind of damage and harm and, and body negative stuff that came out of that. But I'm keen advocate for... Um, the fact that Christ makes us strong and bold mm -hmm. and we're able to, um, 
that, that how we feel doesn't have to rule the roost, that actually we're free mm. and, and purity is an incredible gift. So, so is it possible to salvage, not even salvage, is it possible to talk about purity in a way that can be completely unhooked from the damage of the past in a way that is a fresh, is a fresh call for this next generation? Or, or, or we need to do something totally different? I mean, I'm... Yeah, I'm yeah, it's a great question. I'm sure I don't have all the answers to it either. Um, uh, the first thing that was really interesting, you were saying about listening to our culture, which I think is is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I, actually, I having said that, though, I very rarely will watch those kinds of kinds of things personally. I, I find it, as you have said, mm -hmm. I it's almost like that's... Because I think it's projecting is actually part of the projection of this is what relationships are like or the normalizing of a certain kind of way of relating. Um, what I found much more helpful, but I do think we need to listen to our culture. And the way I found that more helpful is actually just in terms of listening to individuals yes. and listening to people's stories. I find that much more like honest and much more also then you're actually doing the, the kind of the pastoral and the, the personal connecting with people, which is vital for this. So that's one of the kind of tips I would, if I'm going to give a little preview, would be like, actually, this is, we, if we think that our role is simply to kind of like proclaim, you know, the, the 10 sentence, here's the Christian take on sex to somebody, and then our job is done. Actually, we, that's not going to build the kind of meaningful connection with a young person, whether they're Christian or not anyway, that, that you need in order to actually help them with this kind of stuff. It's done in the context of relationship, it, it, of course. And we know, and like, that's like, that won't be new information to any of your listeners, of course. But it's like just a reminder that that kind of principle that we have is, is going to be really important here. So actually saying to them, okay, like, I've got my kind of talk or my, my sort of take on this, my experience on this. But actually, tell me about you. What are the things that you're facing? What are the stuff, what's the stuff you're going for, through? What do your friends say about this? What are the voices that you're hearing? Because everyone's unique. Everyone's got their own story. And so that will just open up. So, so I think like that individual, or, or if I was doing it in a youth group setting, for example, I would be, you know, seeking ways, obviously within, you know, appropriateness to get them to share with one another and with me about kind of what are the, not not necessarily intimate things from their life which might be sort of unhelpful for them to share but like what are the what are the things they're worried about what are the things they're concerned about what are the things that they care about and and actually then you're kind of building a dialogue around those things starting from where they're at and then you still obviously bringing biblical teaching and so on into that context so I think you can you know just a bit of like good old-fashioned relation and relate relating can really yes, be, be, yes. be helpful there um, um yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's so helpful Sean I've made copious notes um uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that at the beginning you said actually the last sort of 30 years seeing the evolution of sexual ethics and, and in culture is not uh, you said it actually it's not necessarily a bad thing I think it's really important as well that as Christians that the narrative we engage with is not simply, oh, everything in culture is tremendously yeah. wrong. It's nothing redemptive. Um, but I suppose a, a good question for us as youth workers, I, I, my daughter has some fish at home and her and I are really rubbish at cleaning out the water tank. But we know we have to do it when the fish start, you know, almost mm -hmm. dying on us. And I suppose it's that, it's that sense of it, that actually, I'm never going to fully understand what's going on in the water. But the moment I see that the fish is in trouble. They're dead. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> dead. <laughs> We're hopeless with fish in our house. Yeah. yeah. That, that's just the pastoral piece, isn't it? That whatever whatever mm. is happening in culture, we know that somehow this conversation... There is, there is some unhealthy stuff, for sure, there's yeah. There's a pain, there's a damage, there's a hurt. And we have young people, for whatever they're going, whatever the issues are, whatever they're facing, who are hurt. And this, and what and what they're being told through programmes like Love Island, for all the comedy and the humour entertainment, there's something profoundly damaging and broken and fractured about you have to mm. be perfect... This one, it looks like you have yeah. to be like have your armor on so nobody hurts you, but equally you're just living with your heart out so that you will be hurt. And I think there's something about that that we do have to speak into. Oh, I'm looking forward to this lecture, Mark. Definitely. And you, now. you asked about you asked about purity as well. And I think it's what yeah. it's, what's a what's a kind of positive ethic of purity that is actually saying. Um, so Paul, St. Paul says, you know, honor God with your body. Yeah. That's not what I love about that is that that's like a positive thing that you do. It's not a keep away from all of these yeah. things. Now, actually, there are times when Paul does talk more in terms of keeping away from things. Um, but but actually, he's he's also saying you you. But in other places, he says engage with where 
people are at and yeah. um, but, but honor god with your body like hold yourself as your own now that in his day that was particularly radical particularly to say that to women so yes. women, you know yes. this is one of the reasons why we can't simply turn back the clock and say oh it was better in the old days yes it it, it, it will be better in the future when jesus comes back our ethic is a looking forward ethic not a looking backwards to some perfect past because in the past you know there might have been you know greater purity in sexuality in one in some areas but there was you know greater misogyny or great you know and, and and all of those kinds of things so it's not as if we can just turn turn back but 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 in that in the context of that paul was in he says honor god with your body you you men and women which is the kind of radical thing can actually do something with your bodies. They kind of, there's a sense in which they belong to, to obviously to Christ, but they also in a sense belong to you and you can, you've got some autonomy in what you do. And I think actually that's almost one of the messages that young people need to, that's, as you've sort of hinted at, is actually empowering and equipping for yeah. them to say, you know, you've actually got choices about what you do with your body. You can, you can choose to honor God. It belongs to you. Um, and, and so be free to make your own, your own choices. Yes. Now the challenge for that is as the church there, and that means we can't simply like assert control either and say, and that means honor God with your body. And that means doing as we tell you, you know, like obviously it means doing what God wants you to do. Yeah. Um, but that's not, it's not about control. It is about freedom as well. And Sean, this, this subject is vast, uh, so vast that Rachel Gardner has built an entire career off the back of it. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but I think if I talk to youth leaders around the country, um, the topic that probably comes up most often that we haven't obviously touched on, um, uh, but obviously you've got lots of, of thoughts on, um, is, is around human sexuality and around gender. And we, I can't possibly ask you to now go into a detailed answer of some of the big questions. But in terms of signposting people, in terms of pointers, um, I think the biggest question I hear is we just don't know where to go to help us mm. process, mm. navigate, think through the world that our young people are already native in. They have a, a view of the world, obviously shaped by culture, that tells them a lot of things that in the 90s even, we would have said, oh, that's different, that's, that's, that's not mainstream. Um, now is absolutely bang in the middle of culture. Um, and they, mm. they feel like they have no way to sort of even like, like think these things through how do they do it and so i just wonder where you would direct people to start thinking about sexuality so, gender, yeah and and then and the first thing i'd say would be like it's so tempting given how um how different and countercultural like the tradition obviously not all christians and now would subscribe to the traditional view on those things but you know the, even for those who do subscribe to the traditional view our our view is so far away from um, where where our culture culture is the first thing i'd say is like don't panic and don't think don't assume that that is a like a game over bad thing so for so to take a totally different example um uh, and my my kids are in a church a church school but about a third of the, the children in that school are muslims and um we could we could say like oh my goodness you know there's all these people around them who've got different religious convictions to them um or we could see this as what an amazing opportunity a for them to learn about people who are different to them but also b for them to uh, use that as a way to understand their own identity more strongly, more deeply, um, but in a non-defensive way. So that's what we've actually found for them in that, you know, on a totally different sort of subject, as yeah, it were. Right. Yeah. But by by meeting people who are different to them, not being defensive about their own kind of convictions or who they are, but actually like, okay, oh, you think this, you do that because you're a Muslim, but I don't do that because I'm a Christian. It's actually made them more confident certainly than I was as a Christian in that age at that age in my Christian identity because they are exploring it in dialogue with someone who's who's different so I I think you can have your cake and eat it again in terms of saying you you can have your own convictions I know there's like different questions that you could then ask about okay what should those convictions be so that's kind of like the second part of your question isn't it really where could people go to explore explore that stuff and I and I think like the the answer I would give is um, kind of like not the internet as it were like it sounds like but you know like the internet has so much power to inform us and to put such good information at our fingertips 
So, you know, there's great things there. I think the danger is if you just Google it, sometimes you can tend to find maybe the more extreme advocates yeah. from particular positions or almost like the people who are shouting at one another yeah. um, and, and think that each other are kind of awful rather than maybe the people who um, might still disagree, but maybe are open to having more of a bit of a dialogue about, about it. So, like, yeah, I think the two, if I was going to recommend different sort of things to, to read, for example, um, there's, uh, there's a great book called The Plausibility Problem by a friend of mine called Ed Shaw, and that is basically setting out um, from a traditional kind of point of view why he, um, as and he is himself gay or same-sex attracted, why he is um, sort of signed up to the traditional view of, of the church on that stuff. Um, uh, if you wanted to read a sort of, uh, again, a, a, an accessible, easy to read book that sets out the alternative kind of point of view, there's a book called God and the Gay Christian by a guy called Matthew Vines. Both of them are fairly prominent kind of, you know, speakers and writers. So that, you know, I would say read read a couple of different things. There's also a great book edited by the, a man with the, must be the best name in Christian ethics, Preston Sprinkle. Wow, I, mean, like, you know, I know, yeah. Rachel Gardner, Sean Doherty, we can't really compete. You know, it's <laughs> ordinary, isn't it? Preston Sprinkle. So you won't forget that name. You can Google that. Like he's written, a, he or he's edited a book where where different people um, or people with different convictions on homosexuality like kind of have a dialogue, have a debate about it. So like I would look to examples like that where people are saying yeah. we really, really disagree about this because it will take anyone on Google can find out within two seconds that Christians have got different views on this matter. Yes. So there's no point pretending otherwise. Um, actually go for the quality kind of sources on that, that explore it. And also the good thing about the books that I've just mentioned is that they don't just look at what does the bible say. obviously the bible is very important they do look at what the bible says but then they also look at and what does this mean for the way that we then live our our lives oh i've just thought of another one sorry can i do another what and yeah, another yeah, yeah. these are all, i'm plugging i'm plugging people that aren't me i haven't even mentioned my book but there's a great very recent book called a war of loves by a guy called david bennett yeah. and that's much more of a personal kind of testimony and journey um, about his experience as a gay christian so that's another just another thing that you might like to look i would at. agree i think that's a great book yeah sure do you want to plug your book uh, no, it's fine. It's called it's called the only way is ethics, and uh, yeah, you can get hold of that as well. <laughs> you really do that? Has no one done that? You you got? I know. Well, n- now I have. Now I have. Well done. Beautiful. I'm always so delighted that in a very busy day we managed to grab you and get some great wisdom from you. And thank you as well. Thank you. It's me. definitely the highlight of my day so far. Oh, that's amazing. And thanks for coming and speaking at our lecture. We will see you soon. Can't wait. Bye. Thanks, Rachel. So thanks, Martin. Lovely to chat. Bye. Bye. Okay, so I've got a funny story. Oh, I of think. course you've got a funny story. Who does it involve? Uh, who it's, who's the character of this it's, time? It's Mike Pilavachi. <gasps> Ooh! Yes. So uh, just just because we had that conversation right at the end there with, with Sean yeah. about um, the, just the massive, it's not even a, a, it's not even one area, it's like, a, it's mm. like several areas, it's several subjects. Um, but if you ask most youth workers right now, what what is the one area you'd love to understand better, have better answers for, know where to look and read up on? I think gender and sexuality is probably the number one answer. And um, and so we were um, we were at Soul Survivor this summer, and Mike uh, and I were at the last day of the Soulnet uh, Youth Leaders Track. Uh, and it was the last week of the of Soul Survivor. It was, it was week C. It was the end of the summer. We'd had all the questions. You know, they have a and a on the mm. final day and they ask Mike these questions. If you don't go to Soul Survivor, this bit's going to be lost on you. But basically, all the people who've been camping there, the youth leaders, ask questions. And there's a couple of questions about things that happened in the talks. There's a few questions about the toilets uh, and <laughs> yes. why they're blocked yes. or why there aren't more showers on in yeah. the pink area uh, and, and those sorts of things. That's always me asking that. Yeah. That's you. <laughs> and then... Um, there was a lady who put her hand up and she said, um, Mike, I just wonder if you could give me some advice. This is an, uh, an issue for our youth mm. group. How do you pastor a young person who has come out as transgender? Mm. And Mike thought and looked at her and 
you could see going through his head like yeah. all the complexities mm. of what it would mean even to answer this question. And so he said, well, to be honest, I think Martin would be much better at answering this question than I would. I was only the host. All I was doing was running around with the microphone. That was literally, I was the flunky. I introduced him, I ran around with the microphone, and I answered the question around fostering transgender young people. Mm. Um, I can't really remember what I said, but there were a lot of ums and ers. Mm, I bet it was good. That is so revealing, isn't it, that... Because of course it's not just the church that's struggling with this conversation. If you go on Netflix at the moment, there's a very interesting documentary on Netflix and on BBC iPlayer where GPs who are involved with the Tavistock and are kind of having a conversation about that from a medical standpoint. You know, sociologists, psychologists, like at every level of society we're having conversations mm. because we all know that individual people are part of a wider community and so yeah. the things that, that that are kind of our lived experience and we wrestle mm. with does impact the public space and so i think mm. i do think as youth workers we probably need to remind ourselves of mm. that that we're not the only ones wrestling with this um and we're not the only ones feeling the, the cold fear of getting it wrong yeah. actually you know, so many people are fearing that as well. And I think Mike not answering it is probably wise because he represents a huge organisation that a misstep could be yeah, quite absolutely. damaging. And he he is so convinced that young people just need to meet Jesus. Yes. He wants nothing between that, does he? And I think it's great that he threw that to you and I'm sure you were brilliant. Um, but how, I mean, you've become, you've come back into the kind of the face-to-face youth work yeah. recently. Has that shifted how you answer that question, not in terms maybe of theology, mm. but just a practical, are you less concerned by it? Because actually you can think of individual young people and you're not scared of them. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, what, what's interesting for me is, um, so I, my, my most significant youth ministry experience was 15 years ago for a couple of years, I was a kind of lead volunteer in a church and now I'm the lead youth worker at church. Uh, and in between I've done lots of bits of volunteering, but these are the kind of most significant kind of uh, this is where I really uh, get very close to lots of young people and get to understand yeah. and know them uh, week after week. And uh, the difference in terms of how young people perceive this issue now is massive. So 15 years ago, young people, even 15 years ago, young people wouldn't have been that uncomfortable with the idea that the Christian faith might have said something different to culture about gender and sexuality. Whereas now, Young people come to church assuming we can't possibly believe what um, maybe our more conservative brothers and sisters might say on these on these questions. Um, so they would just they would come with the the precept for them would be obviously we love everybody we accept everything. Young pe- youth youth workers surely they they're pro gay pro uh, transgender inclusion etc etc that that would be their default setting so that that's that's interesting in itself in 15 years that i think has shifted in 25 years you know we've gone from essentially standing in churches as young people being taught that homosexuality is a sin and wrong and should be preached against to now having you know that we'd you'd never hear that in, in any youth group now um, not expressed in in those terms um, I think it is different when you meet young people. I know, you know, young people who are gay, mm. young people who are questioning their gender. Um, and the human element obviously always speaks very loudly to us, doesn't mm. it, as pastors and, and people mm. who love and care for young people. Um, but I think um, we've still got an awful long way to go. Mm. It seems, and maybe this is a cheap answer, but we've still got an awful lot, long way to go in, in making sure that young people and older people who are same-sex attracted mm. or questioning gender um, or, or a whole range of other mm. things um, are actually loved by God, mm. loved and accepted by us, welcome to be part of our communities and to, mm. to, to play an active role mm. in what we do. I don't even think we're there yet. I think most, you know, the, the, the only people who would would worry that the church isn't a welcoming place for, for gay and, and trans mm. young people, or gay, gay and trans young people. I think everyone else assumes it would be. Mm. Uh, certainly that's my experience of young people. They assume we'd be a welcoming place. Um, but I think still, uh, if you're gay as a young person, you think, oh, Christian youth group, they're not going to want me there. Mm. So I think we've still got a, a long way to go even on, on, on mm. that stuff. I um, was listening to Michael Ramson talking about this recently, and he, so he operates, he works with the Ravi Zacharias Trust, and so he's quite a big philosopher and theologian, isn't he? And he sort of 
operates, he flies a lot higher in his thinking than most of us do most of the time. And he made an interesting comment, which I think I've still got to get my head around. Because I still want to make a dichotomy. I still want to say, um, actually, if I express love, I, I can disagree with a young person, or they can disagree with me. Let's, put, let's give them the, the power position. They can disagree with me. There can be love and mutual understanding. I really hold to that. Maybe because I'm, I'm a modernist, not a post-modernist, I'm older. Maybe because actually I've, I've got a bit more life experience. And I know that you can get along with people that don't agree with you and yeah. you can genuinely love each other. Love can melt barriers. But his comment to me, he said, but the, the, the kind of the, the message of the age, Rachel, is that what young people are growing up hearing is if somebody holds a view that um, questions what I think and I feel, that in itself makes it difficult for me to flourish. So I cannot mm. be in the same mm. space as someone mm. that disagrees with me. Even if they're saying, mm. I will fight for your right to hold that view. Even if they hear me saying, but I love you. The fact they don't share that same perspective and agree is actually detrimental to my well-being. Yeah. So I need them to be my ally or, to, or for me not to be in the same space. Now that, I don't, in saying that, I don't want to put that on young people and say, oh, aren't they all snowflakes? And yeah, I'm, I'm actually yeah. saying that is, that is a core message that this generation, if we're, if we're pastoring under 15s, are receiving. Yeah. So what do we do with the fact that, because actually a positive of that is that this is a generation who will be a lot more embracing of difference. They're probably kinder, you know, they're yeah. probably less judgy. They're probably give, a lot more space but there's something about that message that is inherently damaging because mm. the world mm. doesn't exist like that you cannot mm. grow up in a world where everyone thinks that everything you think and say is okay mm. that so we've got to somehow as pastors work with the individual young person and and on a kind of a responding to them how mm. are they doing what do mm. they need to know and shield them from some of the stuff that would damage and hurt and, you know, maybe coming from the church or the culture. Mm. But we also need to, as leaders of this culture, do something, help young people mm. do mm. something with that yeah. view. Because that view is not life-bringing, actually. No, but the, the, the message of the Christian life for young people is about self-sacrifice, isn't it? Mm. It's about... Um, it's about putting yourself second yes. and that is a really countercultural. to what you're saying there it's a hugely countercultural message but it's also a really inspiring one mm. and young people I think I think that's the call to, mm. to that generation to young people is yes you've been told you can have it all yeah. you can be who you want to be it's all about you yeah. and, and actually previous generations have heard that as well right? yeah. the Because I'm Worth It advert yeah. you know told you that um, but our message the, 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 the message of Jesus is um, submission, sacrifice, mm. self-sacrifice, serving others, putting yourself second, making yourself last and the servant mm. of all. I, I think when I say when I say that stuff to young people, I see the lights come on. Like I see actually they they are excited by that, yeah. um, and it is massively countercultural, yeah. but it's also. There's a role model to it. I think, and I, tot I totally agree with you. And I think some of the most radical disciples I know are young people who have, are doing that, mm. whether they you know, are wrestling with gender or sexuality or not. The problem is that often they hear that message from positions of privilege. So yeah. white, male, heterosexual, married, white female so I think and, and I think our young people are much more tuned into the intersectionality of stuff and the, and the real irony is that we, so we ran a day a couple of years ago here at Youthscape where we wanted a whole range of Christian voices young adults who'd grown up through the evangelical church mainly and they'd come out as gay or same as distracted and we wanted to hear their stories now those who have joined churches who are either share their theology and say actually that's fine same attraction and marriages and, and partnerships as long as they're faithful and committed and um, exclusive they're fine the young people from those churches they could mm, come because mm. their churches said yeah come and share the young people that join churches with a more conservative view probably my church included that says you are welcome but we still have some questions over whether you'd be married in our church you know that kind of those are the churches that said to the young adults no you can't go and share your story and so even in a space where we wanted to put in front of young people these radical disciples who have said, yes, I am gay or I'm same-sex attracted and this is what it looks like, those that maybe the conservative church would say, I agree with where you've landed, weren't allowed to come and speak. Ah. And so I think that that's a problem as well, is that the only voices that are speaking in this space that's heard by a broad evangelical church are the white, straight, 
cisgender, same, you know, heterosexual. So it, it kind of yeah. falls flat a bit. Yeah. I realise that we're entering all kinds of space and probably people are shouting at us. I don't we know. I'm, we're just saying. But we're not afraid of the conversation. No, I think. absolutely. And you we, can challenge us, but we, we're not afraid. We, uh, so we acknowledge ourselves. On we that, acknowledge in, in ourselves. That, yeah, we don't position. know anything. <laughs> we yeah. just want to. In fact, we just Google it. We just <laughs> Google it before the show. Yeah, what do we know? But we, we don't want there to be silence. We want there to be speaking and listening and loving. And disagreement. Yeah. Let's not kind of hide from each other and be angry. It's good. Let's listen. It's good. Now, after all of that, I feel I'm like a, we I'm need... I'm really hot, so we're really hot now. You you are hot. <laughs> um, I am... Um, Take the jeans on. I need to just um, uh, add a little light relief at the end of this. Okay, we do. And, uh, and that is to say that uh, we're just going to have one shout-out. Yes, a mighty shout-out. It is a mighty shout-out because... I think I talked about not having a mug. And so uh, somebody sent me a mug. Oh. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, got, it's got my name on it. And then I am... Um, oh, it's actually got your name on it. I've only yeah, just yeah. realised he's put your name put on it. Put my name on it, yes. He's not just bought it he off the shelf. He spent money on this. No, no, serious money. Bless um, so, uh, so this this is... And I'm obviously the supporter of a claret and blue football team oh, West Ham United I hear words doesn't make sense uh, and uh, and what Dan Randall oh. Dan Randall has done is he's uh, he's ordered me hilariously a Burnley football club mug with Burnley. my name on it Burnley. I believe he's from Burnley he is he lives there um, and, uh, and so to sort of overcome the you, fact Dan. that his football team aren't very good he's cheered himself up he's cheered himself up by um, by making me a mug with my name and Burnley on. So it's so close to a West Ham mug, but then when you look closely, it's not. So I don't see any of that kind of nuance. I just think, bless him, Dan, busy man, yeah. got a new job, oh. has made space and finances to yeah. get you a nice mug. That's yeah, all nice. I see. No, it's lovely. It's very nice. And I even <laughs> had my, I even had, look, I've used it. I had my coffee out of it this morning because I'm oh, going to be the bigger man here. And also, uh, as we as we speak, I think we're four places above them in the t- table. So. Oh. So it's fine. <gasps> there we go. Great example of uh, disagreeing in love. Yeah, there we yeah, go. We can, we can do this, body of Christ. Jesus is Thanks, just Dan. too precious. He's too precious. Thanks, Dan. Enjoyed that. There's so many other things I want to say because I this space is is open and it's raw, isn't it? And I think, and I think I just want to encourage. We want to encourage each other in this space. Jesus is amazing. His grace is enough. And actually, it's okay to be. It's okay to feel uncomfortable, to not sure, to wrestle with scripture, to wrestle with our youth work practice, to say, Jesus. I want to get this right. Will you will you teach me how to be faithful to you and help be faithful to young people? I think I think if we can be leaders that can kind of inhabit that space and listen to each other and challenge each other, and I think that would be really good not just for the church, but for society that is also saying, how do we get this right? Mm. Imagine if for once they could look to the church and say, well, somehow they manage they're, they're doing this well. So so <laughs> whether you that. support Burnley <laughs> Or West Ham United, it's okay. You can you can disagree well. <laughs> we love you, friends. There are no other shout-outs today. That's it. That we'll, is we'll, it. Uh, we'll, we'll we might see you at the Youthscape yes, lecture yes. Uh, at St Mitis. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you next week. Woohoo! Ah, uh, hello. Ah, hello. I'm so sorry to be so difficult to get hold of. Oh, Sean, we're just <laughs> I've never been like this before in my life. Oh, well, it's you've very, never been... very strange.